Hey, so I was just practicing this song for Sunday because I'm leading worship on Sunday. Oh, glory! Uh, hey, Daddy Homeschool's here. Solo homeschooling with heart. Um, and it goes like this. All glory and honor and power belongs to you. You know it? Belongs to you. It's great, very powerful. And honor. And so then, but last week was about the parable of the vineyard, right? The master of the vineyard coming back and, and, and you know, judging whether the servants did a good job or not. And, um, so, and this just came to mind. Belongs to you. He belongs to you. Check it out. Until the master of the vineyard has arrived. Until the bridegroom is united to the bride. <laughs> Until the exile and the outcast has arrived. I will wait for Should be have arrived really shouldn't it the outcast and the and the exile have arrived arrived home that'd be the grammar grammatical correct wouldn't it correctness hey uh welcome i am changing the podcast around a little bit i am now going to be doing a podcast about bicycle engineering no i'm, <laughs> I'm kidding not changing it that much I am, it's actually going to be about pens. Nope, joking still. It's going to be about, um, it's actually going to be about airplanes. Nope, also joking. My, my, <laughs> if I'm honest with you all, my microphone, <laughs> my microphone was falling down and I had to buy time. No, I'm changing it around um, with, I'm going to, uh, so up until now, it's been kind of hour-long sermons, which which is kind of my thing, if I'm honest. But I'm not sure how many of you are listening to the full hour of it. I haven't looked. I don't know if I have stats on that, but um, it's a bit much. Well, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts. But um, my feeling is, if I break it up into four sections um, and make it smaller, maybe a 20-minute, um, I'll be able to, uh, yeah, more manageable for the ear and for the mouth. And so I'm thinking it will be a recommendation, like a homeschool book that we've been reading. It will be an idea. I'm a man of ideas, an idea about homeschooling. You know, I don't know, flexibility, whatever. I'd wax lyrical for 10 minutes on that. And then it would be maybe a question from... A listener and then and then I would talk about European wrestling rules no I'm still trying out <laughs> still trying out different I you know ideas um, I'm spitballing okay the last one's probably not gonna work but you know different sections like that 
accountancy and management systems. That could be a section. <laughs> you know, the world is our oyster. Electrical engineering. Ast astrological signs. You know, different types of axes. I could, every week, I could do a section on different types of axes and I could talk about the different types. Now we're talking. I've had a good few weeks um, without Instagram. Uh, not that Instagram was the problem. I don't, it was it was that I was feeling claustrophobic in the house. You know, in the middle of COVID, you're sort of pushed to think worldwide. At the same time as getting cut off from your close relations. And that's a bad combo, getting cut off from your local world and being pushed out into the great unknown ether of the great beyond, you know, this uh, sort of bloodless relation to the whole of the universe that doesn't is not really very real. That's weird. Um, long distant, meaningful relationships, I think, can be sustained. I don't mean romantic relationships. I mean, you know being intentional about Instagram but my solution there is I'd like I wouldn't like it to be an ambient part of my daily life so I, I've said this before but I'm just reiterating I would like it to be intentional set apart so I'm waiting for cafes to reopen in in England so that I can spend a dedicated hour or two maybe a week on Instagram um, and that way I'll have um I'll have a little better ear to the ground on what you guys want me to talk about in my podcast as well. Um, one of the things I've been doing with my free time is just reading without internet. I read a lot. I mean, I've read a lot in the last... I think I got rid of my internet in January, in December, late December maybe. Yes, no, I was talking about it at Christmas time and then I did it in, in early January. So it's been a couple months um, two and a half or something, and I've read like 2,500 pages, um, you know, one big fat Anna Karenina and like three or four other slightly smaller ones. Um, so that in itself is kind of like a triumph because, I mean, I, of course, I'd like to present myself as a very intellectual, very clever, very disciplined person. I'm not. That's why I'm getting rid of the internet. Because I'm not. I just know that I'm not. A lot of people don't. <laughs> I, um... And I had to wean myself off entertainment, off uh, screen entertainment, onto books. Because... You know, for a while, I couldn't, f I couldn't concentrate on books. My, f my free, my brain frequency was still on TV, even though we didn't even have TV in the house. We didn't even have Netflix in the house. We didn't even have Instagram in the house. I was still on that brain frequency. So, a few weeks in, I was still, I couldn't really concentrate. So I listened to the audiobook as well as reading. So I did that with Anna Karenina, for example, and I, I listened to the translation, exact same words as what was on the page. I followed along. And that, and and now slowly, now uh, you know I've started a book on my own. <laughs> Man, it sounds like I'm having to learn to read again. Oh, someone just knocked on my door. It was a package of d gardening tools. Yay, gardening tools! 
Here's my idea for today. Daddy homeschools idea. <laughs> Daddy homeschools has an idea. The idea is ideas. So Charlotte Mason, I've been reading her second volume and most of my ideas are going to come from Charlotte Mason. She says an idea may not have direct purpose, but it ha it is the soul's food. <clears throat> She says, uh, life, an education is a life, and a life is fed by ideas like body by bread. It's just what you live on. It's, in other words, it's what, where your action springs from. Your body is fueled, you know, you eat stuff, you digest it, and then you have the power to act. You have the power to lift things and punch old ladies. <laughs> but uh, and <laughs> and the same is true for ideas you <laughs> I can't get that image out of my head that's not I, stop it Jack so silly so you you ingest nutrition and you're able to then act you have power to act the same is true for ideas um, she says you feed on ideas and it's not it's not necessarily just like you don't know what you ate this morning maybe but it still gives you nutrition and you don't go off and do cereal work you don't eat cereal and then do cereal activities and then you eat uh steak and do steak activities you know you, you it 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 all works according to the internal workings, which we are only just getting a handle on about what protein does for this and fat does this for this. But we don't do any of that. Our body does that unconsciously. We just eat healthy and, that we, and then action springs from that. The same is true with our soul's food. We, we don't get the idea of being an arrow sent from our parents um, into the enemy and then actually shoot an arrow. <laughs> you know, there's not like a direct obvious connection between the idea that I am an arrow from my father to therefore I should clean up after myself or something. Like there's not, we can build that out those implications but it's kind of forced like i've been trying to do this where i i, I talk about it as ir irrigation that's another metaphor but it's like the rain comes on the mountains and those are high ideals and ideas and principles but then you got to make sure that it irrigates down to the crops right and that's why i try and make the connection like you earn an arrow up here that's a high lofty ideal but and therefore, what should you be doing now? So I'm asking the question, where is this water going to go? In other words, I'm asking, OK, you ate a great steak and, and chips. Now, where's what are you going to do with it? Who are you going to serve with this power that you've now got? But and so that you should be thinking like that to get it down from the mountain into the, your crops and into fruitfulness and into service. But it's not always a clear and simple route. She says, an idea may not have a direct purpose apart from to be the, sh the thought environment from which an action springs. It's your atmosphere. 
is your thought atmosphere. It really, really matters. Not just the types of maths, you know, not just I need to learn how to cover this polytunnel so I need to work out the um, circle theorem in order to get the, if I can get the diameter, then I can get the, you know, it's not just, those are really simply, the idea really simply connects to what you need to do. Usually it doesn't work like that. In fact, the most powerful ideas don't work like that. Anyone can teach those types of ideas. I mean, that sounds derogatory some of those ideas are really complicated i'm not saying they're simple in that sense but the ideas that really have fecundity really have fruitfulness really have legs are the ideas like i am an arrow that it's not that obvious then therefore what should i do i mean the most obvious example is that um you know jesus died for my sins (laughs) well okay now shall I watch Netflix? Like, it's the it, the Bible says that the gospel is your tutor; it teaches you. And so, this idea that a Palestinian Jew, um, from like two thousand years ago, got tortured to death in front of his friends, and that has something to do with me, you know, that's an idea that doesn't have like very very clear obvious organic lines it what but what it does do is once you digest it and really understand it and really know it and really have your eyes open to it and you live with it for a while and really gets integrated in the deep systems of your thought and beliefs and and stuff then it has more power to spring action than the types of beliefs like um do other types of ideas like uh serve your neighbor you know the we've been told for thousands of years to treat your neighbor like yourself but what happens when that's on its own when the just telling me what the action i should do when that sits on its own it's impotent or rather it has a a short-lived quick easy thing that you should do like i'll help the old lady across the road but instead of punching <laughs> punching her in the face but it's kind of shallow and i an education is a life and a life is fed by ideas like body by bread so this is a call to read for example the types of literature that have powerful ideas not just teach you science boy do i hate the trash literature that's designed solely to teach you a thing that's supposed that you're supposed to know in order to pass the exam like parable like the parable of the girl who the girl and the alligator and the, the parable of the alligator and the ant and all, what you're supposed to understand is um, alliteration, the the poetic device where two things, two words have the same first letter, alligator, ant. 
and there's no ideas. <laughs> it's just absolutely empty of ideas. And guess what? Six-year-olds know that too. They know that there's no ideas there. There's no ideas that really have fruitfulness. There's no, and therefore, there's no real actions to spring out of it. It does nothing. It's a silly... It's like a cut-off branch, I think, was the metaphor I used last week. So there's my idea. <laughs> there's my idea for you. And uh, hopefully that will have fruitfulness for you too. An idea may not necessarily have a direct purpose. And when you teach an idea to your kids, it, you, it may not have a very tick-boxy satisfaction to it. And especially when you have to do it every day when you have to drill an idea or you have to bring up an idea over and over and over and over and over and over again. But that may well be sowing a seed that's going to turn into an oak tree. Or another way of saying it is that may, you may not see what's happening in that child's stomach, that child's brain stomach. <laughs> but once it digests it, it will empower this child f with all sorts of action. <laughs> And um, action well beyond, not just beyond what we know and understand where the, the lines are between what I teach and what they are able to do, but also beyond the grave. You know, a lot of their life, hopefully, a lot of their life will be, on, will be when I'm dead. <laughs> hopefully they will have a great and, and fruitful life beyond me. And so... I hope I am sowing ideas and giving an idea atmosphere that will lend to that. That will that that has power beyond me. Not just I told you before, clear up your breakfast. That stops when I stop saying that. When I stop saying clear up your breakfast now then they stop clearing up their breakfast now. If I say, if I implant the idea of responsibility into their mind, that may well last well beyond. If I implant the idea that they have a universal mission in the world and that temperance, courage, the virtues, diligence have a part in that service, that's a big idea, and that will last way beyond me if I plant it correctly. Here's a question from my friend who is called Adam, and he um, he lives on the other side of the big pond. He lives in Murica, and he is a homeschooled dad, and I think he has three. Yeah, he has three kids just like me, and he's a homeschooled dad. He's a rare unicorn, and I love him for that. He asks this, he says, what do you do with a third child in the homeschool lineup who happens to be a 20-month-old <laughs> 20 boy whose sole mission in life right now is to search and destroy? <laughs> when the girls, age six and four, and I are schooling, he's off either quietly looking at books, which is amazing, or tearing everything out of drawers and shelves. He also fancies opening the front door, looking back at me and waving... <laughs> 
<laughs> waving and saying bye. How do I feed this little explorer who craves adventure? This is such a good question and I'm sure a lot of you will be thinking right now, yep, that's the question. How on earth do I do this? Um, okay, I'm glad that you asked at the end of that question. I'm glad your question was, how do I feed this little explorer? Rather than, how do I get him out of the way so I can do the real work of teaching my six-year-old? Because I think that would have been a mistake. So I'm glad that your your mind is in the right place right now. Like how, at least, how do I balance the three of them? Rather than how do I get this annoying thing out of the way? That's the first thing, because the youngest in your family is the most important thing in your family. The last should be first and the first should be last. The weakest, most vulnerable. This is the most, this is the king. <laughs> the king of your family is the peasant. You know, you know what I mean? Give him the, give him the foremost seat at the table. Um, even though he is so undignified as throwing the milk off the table. So I'm glad you're, you're thinking like that. Um, and that does a lot, by the way, for your older kids. When you see prioritize, you, you prioritize the most vulnerable, even when it sometimes means that they have to wait. Because the thing is with the, the youngest, they, um, we all have needs, but the youngest can't delay their needs very well. And so the siren, we used to call it the siren. Oh, here comes the siren. <laughs> Daddy, one of my socks is a quarter of an inch too far down my shin. You know, that sort of thing. And um, so they have emotional needs and they're telling you exactly what they are. They're absolutely honest with no affectation and no sulking in their room purportedly about something when it's actually about something else really deep, deep down. You know, that's teen, that's teen life. That's something um, which we can deal with with grace later. But but right now you've got a real blessing, which is, you know, exactly what he needs. And if he is waving goodbye out of the door, he wants, I don't know, silliness or adventure. And if he wants to smash things, then he wants to do science. And if he wants to throw things, you know, it, then he's angry about something. He, he, you just know exactly what's going on. And you're in tune with this little guy, which is great because it m means you can, first thing you can do is fill those needs. If there's, um, you know, if there's an ambiguous need and a clear need, Okay, fix the clear need, and then we can go for the ambiguous need. So, um, I remember, um, I remember when mine was six months old when I started uh, homeschooling my eldest. Youngest was six months. Next one was three. Next one was five. So I had a five, three, six month. Three-year-old wasn't doing much. He was pottering around, but he was quite independent. Five-year-old needed to start learning, uh, you know, maths and, um, well, didn't really do much maths, but um, phonics and just adventures and reading Tintin and that sort of thing. And the six months old needed to be carried 100% of the time. I mean, he would, he, the siren would go off if I, if I put him down on the floor. I mean, even in, especially inside, he needed to be carried. I remember carry, 
carrying him in my carry thing, the pouch thing that you put on you, the sling, around outside, in the dark, in the rain, in the snow, in the wintertime, in the summertime. I mean, he needed to be outside looking at things, being walked forever until he was asleep. He was the most demanding kid I'd ever conceived of. I mean, he really needed it. And so the only time I could read to my six-year-old, I couldn't, I couldn't just have him potter around doing Lego. He just, he didn't want Lego. He didn't want anything inside of the house. So we really need to get out. There was no one else to look after the other two. So I got them all out of the house, had him on the, actually had him in the buggy, pushed him around. The other two went on the trampoline to bounce while I pushed the littlest round in the buggy around the trampoline, reading to him, reading to everyone, Alice in Wonderland, from the book that I had on top of the buggy thing. So I was pushing the buggy round and round the trampoline while reading. And there would be fairly quiet jumping on the trampoline while I read really loudly and he fell asleep <laughs> in the buggy. Man, it was tough. Um, so there are certain tiny little hacks like that. I remember making... Um, pancakes while he was in the, the the sling as well but um but honestly you're not gonna be uh, the reason I'm glad one of the reasons I'm glad you didn't ask how can I get this annoying one-year-old out of the way so that I can do the real work with formal education with my six-year-old because you're gonna be sorely disappointed if you're gonna if you're thinking of spending hours of <laughs> formal education with your six-year-old or even half an hour I mean it's really tough and here's my hot take okay here's my first hot take of the day I don't think kids should have formal education until they're eight years old I think they should be out romping, playing, smashing things, banging their head accidentally on trees, um, getting stung by a bee for the first time, scraping their legs, singing, s saying nursery rhymes, doing patty cake, counting leaves outside for most of the day, for most of their life. I mean, full stop. But then, but without even any without starting any curriculum about maths, without doing any formal writing stuff necessarily, unless they want to and it feels natural, until they're eight years old. So my point is, Adam, I mean, it sounds like a platitude to say, don't worry about your six-year-old and four-year-old. And I hope you, I hope you're, it sounds like you're on the same page with me that, that you know, your, your youngest is your most needy right now. And that's, good that's a fine thing you're investing in this little boy but also really your six-year-old this is such a gift you are giving her to not squeeze too much formal unnatural stuff on her right now okay so now that i've got that said i've got my unschooly tendencies vented on you there are some things that there there are w once you exploit his nap nap time or whatever he's okay he's down for half an hour he's down for an hour what shall I do with the the other two there are you know, little times that you can build for yourself 
uh, while you're not doing the washing up, maybe even leaving the washing up, <laughs> um, living it all gross in the kitchen so that you can go and hang out with your six-year-old and four-year-old and meet their needs. And they're young too, you know. Uh, they don't need to pass exams. Um, they do have a ravenous intellectual appetite, so feed them with ideas and feed them with books and everything like that. But maybe, I mean, I think you should start with Number one thing is look right into their eyes and say, you are so great. I love you. I love spending time with you. I think you're beautiful. I think you're wonderful. I like reading with you. I think you're really good at reading. I think you're getting better at reading. I think you're on the Lord's team. I'm glad to be in your family. And I'm looking forward to... To learning more with you. That's thing number one. Look her, look her in the eye and say that. I know that's hard, daddy. Because I'm a daddy. And I, it's just hard to be emotional and kind of ushy-gushy like that. Um, but uh, you got to do it. You got to do it. Because it's true and because she needs to hear it. Um, and only then, now that I've said all that stuff, <laughs> I've said, focus on your youngest one. I've said, um, no school until they're eight. I've said, if you do have focus time on it, start with the emotional needs of just connecting with her and having fun with her. Okay, now that we've got all of that out of the way, you may then, at the end of all of that, still have 15 minutes left, which then I would encourage you to um to build with some you know with some maths or some english or some some learning that makes sense according to whatever your your curriculum is or whatever your um, goals are some audio books some i mean some uh, reading aloud some whatever it is some nature study so i hope that helps one last thing before i pop off to the last uh subject of the podcast is uh i would I would implore you not to find solutions where you're distracting with trash, um, with TV or whatever it is. Um, I would encourage you not to give in to that temptation because not, be not because of something wrong with TV in itself, though I think those are good questions to explore. I found that it doesn't actually fill up their bar like it doesn't fill up the tank it doesn't fill up the love tank so a little you know your your one-year-old has needs and it feels like okay i should be able to need, meet his needs but i can't right now so i'll just have the tv meet his needs and then i can go back to meeting his needs if I, if some if the tv is his parent for a little bit then he can come back to me being a parent because I need to be a parent to other people. The, I completely sympathize. The problem is the TV is not that the TV, and my point is not that the TV can't be his parent or that um, it's bad that the TV is his parent. The point is the TV doesn't do the parenting. So when he comes off the TV, he has the same amount, he has the same needs, the same amount of needs, the same level of needs as he had to begin with. It didn't do anything. So now it's just pushed, it's just delayed his needs in some ways. So often it doesn't even delay his needs. Anyway, my point is, 
my, in my experience, Adam, and you have not indicated that you have been using this as a shortcut or whatever, but in my experience, it doesn't actually help in the long run. They actually become whinier after TV. It just doesn't work. Like they can, it, it is a shiny thing for a minute, but then they realize, I've okay, I've come out of that trance of the TV and guess what? I still have the same emotional needs towards my daddy. So I hope, um, hope you get some, I hope, um, I hope that helped and you hope you get some rest by Adam and, uh, figure out the balance and, um, go about meeting needs. Last thing I'll say before I go is a um, recommendation. I mean, I've re- I think I've recommended this before, but my favorite podcast in the world ever is The Moral Maze. The Moral Maze is a BBC Radio 4 podcast, but it is so much packed in to so much quality debate and discussion on a topic, packed into each episode. It is so brilliant. Um, there's a panel of four. I think one of them was in parliament one of them was a priest is a priest and polemicist one of them you know is in a think tank you know that that sort of thing and they and there's a topic like idleness i just listened to the one on idleness is it is it okay to be idle does idleness breed creativity does or does it just is it just a distraction from work which is your real purpose in life and work should be you know breeds responsibility or whatever it is you know really interesting question about idleness you've got two people Two witnesses, they call it. Two, two guests who think that idleness is good. Two guests that think idleness is bad. The four panelists uh, interrogate it. And it's just this really thorough, interesting, rigorous um, discussion of a topic. I mean, it's I think each one's half an hour, but there's so many good ideas to give you your brain some fruitfulness in that half an hour that it really feels like um, you get your bang for your buck. There's, there's my recommendation for today. Moral maze. Next time it will be a, a, a homeschooly type recommendation. Guys, I love you. You're excellent. You're beautiful. <laughs> okay, I don't. I don't know if you're beautiful because um, cause I haven't seen you. But um, you are excellent. See you next time. No. What are we learning about today? Works of works of the Lord. The words and works of the Lord. Works of the works and truth and justice with him. And how are we going to do it? Working truth and justice with him, exactly. And why? So that all nations exactly. Thank you.